Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 196. John and Wendy talk to Mark Alifons. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? I'm well. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Here we are again. We want to first off say that we are very thankful for our friends over at Namely who are sponsoring this episode. This will be the, the last episode of this month. Have been really excited to be able to partner with them again. It's been a, a tremendous relationship and be able to renew it. We want to say thank you. And Wendy, we've talked Thanksgiving memories before. Mm-hmm. Any plans, anything going on in particular for you that, for you all this year? Well, actually, so the Saturday after... We are going to head to uh, the Twin Cities because my husband and oldest daughter are going to see Mystery Science Theater 3000 live. Oh, wow. Cool. Uh, This is their second time seeing them live. They had a blast the first time. They are uh, really looking forward to that. And uh, Jesse and I will be at the Mall of America, most likely, getting my steps in, following her around of wherever she wants to go. (laughs) Is Joel still part of that MST3K tour? Like, who does that these days? Do you know? I don't know. Um, okay. I know they've got a new host, a female host, coming on, and she was at the last one. I'm trying to remember now. I don't remember if Joel was part of the last tour. Again, I'm not there. Yeah. I, I hear about it after the fact. They both love that show, so... Uh, I'm sure we're now getting to the point where we will watch the Christmas episode, which is almost as bad as the Star Wars Christmas special. Oh, nothing can compare to the Star Wars Christmas special. No, sorry. I don't know. I'll have to I, I look respectfully up, I'll, disagree. I'll have to ask my husband for the name of the Christmas show and, and put it out because it is something about the year Christmas wasn't or something. And it's every Christmas movie cliche done very poorly I, I think santa claus is arrested i don't know i don't know wow. it's so okay. bad it's so bad no, nothing will ever top <laughs> b arthur in the bar well and, yeah and that weird dang, all that weird stuff with grandpa scratchy uh, yeah and, diane, K- diane yeah wow. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah but we just missed life day apparently i guess it had just oh because somehow somebody figured out Darn. the galactic chart that in <laughs> earth time it was life day interesting we're not doing anything here. I have seriously debated going to a wrestling convention after Thanksgiving, like that Saturday. Uh, okay. We'll see if they get, if they get. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. If I make myself accountable by talking about these things. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Sergeant Slaughter. Everybody should know that he was in GI Joe. Sergeant Slaughter will put you in a headlock and take a picture, right? Okay. Just so everybody's aware when that happens, not if, but when yeah. I meet Sergeant Slaughter and yeah. I get my headlock, that will forever be my LinkedIn profile picture. <laughs> because I want everybody to wonder, who is this guy with this goofy smile on his face? And who is this man with his arm around his neck wearing an army instructor's hat that has sequins? Because, you know, Sergeant Slaughter is the height of fashion. Oh, yeah. If in early December you see a picture of me with an older gentleman with his armor around my neck, you know that's Sergeant Slaughter, and you know I went to the wrestling show. Yeah. We will see. We will see. <laughs> but we do wish all of our American listeners the yes. happiest of Thanksgiving if you're listening in real time. Enjoy, Enjoy your turkey. Yes. Or whatever you may have. Whatever you're eating. Yeah. Every, you're everybody's, eating. everybody's got different things Tofer- going. Tofurky. Maybe that big, what are those, the thing that John Madden used to, a turducken? The turducken, you know, yeah. You know, something Ooh. along those lines. That's just a Never lot know. of meat. Never know. <laughs> 
as we get a little bit closer to where we are right now, I'm really thankful for the guest we have. And some yes. of you are probably looking at the notes and saying, wait a minute, Mark's been on the show before. Mark has technically been on Social Hour mm-hmm. twice, but never by himself. Right. And we've we've never talked about Mark. We've talked yes. about his uh, the other podcast. Yes. Hostile Work Environment. Go listen. Go download. But yeah, we've never actually talked to Mark about Mark. We're going to rectify that now. <laughs> and that's part of our Thanksgiving gift to all of you yes. is to have Mark as part of the show. Yeah. And yeah, let's make the introduction and get started. I am really excited to welcome Mark to the show. Again, he's been on the show before. We're huge fans of his. I assume he's huge fans of ours. So we are super pumped to welcome him. If you want his bio, go listen to the other episodes. Mark, welcome to the show. Our first question, always, what is in your glass? Well, hello to both of you, and uh, thank you for having me in my own right here uh, for the first time. I have something that I'm drinking that maybe you've never had on the show before. I have a huckleberry kombucha oh. that is on tap yeah. in our office here, uh, wow. thanks to my former podcast co-host, Dennis, who is now my colleague at this law firm, uh, who is a kombucha fan and put that in. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to drink. But I will say that immediately following this, I'm going to the wine bar and I'm going to have some 10-year-old Bordeaux. Nice. Transition from one to the other. I never knew I, I'd like kombucha, but I do. There's a little bit of alcohol in it, you know. Just a tiny bit, tiny bit. Tiny bit, yeah. <laughs> I've actually been studying kombucha a little bit because uh, the alcohol similarities with the ice cream that I make. been learning about how they can market and sell kombucha and how I might be able to do the same with my ice cream. Learn more about that than I ever thought. Yeah, I didn't know there was alcoholic ice cream. There is now. <laughs> there is now. Good to know. Let us, let me know when you got something for sale. We'll, Working on we that. On, we'll be uh, on board. Dairy is difficult. Let's just say that. There's a lot of rules and regulations around dairy. It's getting there, though. Mark, it is very safe to say, I don't think anybody's mentioned kombucha of any no. type as their drink of choice during the show. We're incredibly glad you're here. And typically, I talk about how'd you get an HR Right there, we're going to talk a little bit about some side paths that you've taken. How did you first land in law? And then how did you get, become focused on the employment piece of this? So it's it's funny. I, I, you know, I imagine, I don't imagine because I listen to the podcast. I know with many, many folks uh, who answer that question on the HR side, they talk about their passion for HR. They talk about how they, you know, or they found it and they found their passion for it. I have such a like not passion story. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, you know, out of college, I, I took a job uh, doing some market research actually in the DC area. I wasn't a big fan. I wanted to go back to school and I had always had my eye on going to business school, but business school required, you know, they all wanted, you know, three to five years minimum of workplace experience, uh, office experience. And I wanted to go back to school faster than that. And law schools were like, yeah, we'll take you right right now. And they seemed like similar enough in terms of the kind of skills and opportunities they create later. So I was like, well, <laughs> forget business school. I'm going to law school. And so I that's how I ended up going to law school. And I didn't know. My, you know, my dad, I credit him with pushing me a little bit in, in that direction. And he was like, you know, you don't have to be a lawyer with a law degree. There's many options. And I said, yeah, because I don't, I don't I don't know that I like the sound of that, honestly, uh, being a lawyer, but I definitely agree that having the education is great. Who knows what doors that'll open. So, uh, so I went and it turned out that I loved it within my first year learning lots of things in law school, civil procedure, tort law, all the first year classes. I wasn't so keen on property, but, you know, just learning kind of how the court system works and 
the differences between federal law and state law and, and how that impacts uh, all sorts of different things in our daily lives that we don't even realize was eye-opening for me. It was really interesting. As it relates to employment law, I kind of had my eyes set on trying to figure out some sort of international law kind of career. I didn't really understand how difficult that is to just say, I want to be an international lawyer. Law is really an apprenticeship kind of business or, or work. And it, it's something that I, uh, you know, every lawyer is trying to find internships, uh, things to do during their summers, employment that they can get at law firms or with the government or in the courts or whatever. And everybody's, it's like a scramble that all law students are trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to do. And in some ways, the path chooses you more than you choose the path, right? Now you can limit your opportunities to only a path that you want. But in my case, I was open to all sorts of different things. And uh, I ended up getting a position in, at a law firm in New Jersey that specialized in an office that specialized in employment law. And honestly, uh, coming from a pretty liberal, left-leaning background, I was worried about it coming in thinking, you know, here I am, I'm going to, you know, go work at this law firm as a summer. Really, I'm going to work for the man. Uh, they represent big companies and they defend big companies in discrimination lawsuits. And I'm not really for that because I'm for protecting uh, individual workers and I'm for uh, not discriminating against people. And why would I want to defend companies that do bad things like that? You know, of course, that was a very one-sided, somewhat naive approach, but that's how I got into it. And I, I did my, my first summer and I, I had taken employment law in law school. So I had that backing and I, I knew that it was an interest area for sure. Uh, one of many, though. And, uh, you know, I ended up at this law firm and found my objections were not warranted, that there's two sides to every story and that there is an imperfect way of trying to get to justice uh, in these cases uh, and that both sides need representation. And there's ways in which bad or good cases for either side have a way of working themselves out in terms of how they get resolved. Uh, but I was largely focused on litigation. Ended up going back there, getting an offer to go back out of, out of my summer after after law school. And I, I spent three years litigating there and kind of got solidified. Uh, again, it's a, an apprenticeship industry. That was my apprenticeship. I, you know, I learned how to do litigation, but specifically employment litigation. There are opportunities to expand that and try new things, but it's kind of like starting over at the beginning. And so uh, I don't really want to start over at the beginning again, 20 years into my career now. This, this is what I do. I really enjoy it. You know, I enjoy it. If you listen to my podcast, you know, it's a lot of fun. Came to it because it found me not quite the other way around. You have a typical HR story. A lot of us, you know, we didn't go seeking it. It found us. And here we are <laughs> 20 years <laughs> later, not going to start over. <laughs> well, so Mark, so you started in a firm. You also have worked to lead HR for an organization. So you've kind of done some in-house work as well. And now you're back at a firm and kind of doing some of that back and forth. What did you learn from going to in-house, actually leading HR that brought back to your practice now? I th I've had a couple of different in-house experiences. So I, uh, af after 10 years, a, a decade in law firms, I was five years in-house working for Kindercare as a lawyer in that case. Kindercare being large national child care, largest child care company in, in the country. And then I ended up working as the chief human resources officer a, a you know, year, year and a half after I left Kindercare for, for about an 18-month stint uh, at a small nonprofit here in Portland. I think both of those instances really uh, helped me be a better lawyer and the kind of lawyer 
that I try to practice as now. So before I practiced as a litigator, I did not have a lot of, especially as a young attorney, did not have a lot of contact with clients directly. I just kind of did a lot of the work behind the scenes. I had obviously a lot of contact with my client in-house in both instances. But what I learned as an in-house lawyer was how to look at the business need and basically turn into how, you know, as, as a legal advisor, a, a glorified risk adjuster and say, here's the risk. Here's the risk. If you walk down that path, here's a better way to do it that accomplishes the same end with lower risk, or that's just flat illegal. I would not advise doing that, right? It was much less a black and white kind of job than 10 years being a litigator, where it's just fight, 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 fight. Here it's uh, balance, 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 risk, balance, risk against need and all sorts of different ways. Uh, and so I got to learn kind of as a business advisor for HR, for other departments internally at companies, how to do that. Having been now a chief human resources officer for not very long, but long enough, I think it just added an appreciation, especially, first of all, for all the, you know, all the HR folks that listen, you know, this, the number of different things that HR does the number of things that HR does that is thankless work. So much behind the scenes, technical kinds of things going on to make your open enrollment go as flawlessly as possible, to to make your payroll go as flawlessly as possible. It really taught me that so much of what HR does uh, is only visible to people when it goes wrong. It just gave me an appreciation in that sense of all the various things that need to happen. I was very lucky to have a very skilled team at my very small company that was already covering the nuts and bolts of a lot of those processes. We helped hone those processes. Uh, we helped do additional risk assessments around, you know, where can we cut a little bit to save some money here and still deliver the same service to our employees, even as we were growing. A lot more of a business consideration as the head of HR as opposed to a lawyer internally. And that was more of a business consideration than being an outside attorney doing litigation. Being able to be in-house in that, uh, in that role, I think it was wildly helpful for me now that I'm back at a law firm. I've stopped litigating. I don't, you know, I'll touch on pre-litigation disputes. Uh, I'll help with briefing on cases and things like that. But my bread and butter now is advising clients. There's a certain amount of technical expertise that comes along with that, just knowing the rules for FMLA or whatever it happens to be. I don't necessarily pride myself on being the best lawyer out there that knows all the specific regulations because, you know, I can always go look those up. What I do pride myself on doing is understanding and speaking to my clients in a way that's accessible, lets them understand the reason behind the advice I'm giving and understands their needs first and what they're actually trying to accomplish when they call me and being able to distill the issues down to a, something digestible for them to be able to understand uh, without sounding like a lawyer. You have this in-house experience and, and you're able to relate that to what your clients need and need to hear. I always appreciate this whole advise and educate kind of thing that we can't make people do things. I, I have to say that a lot myself and it always entertains me. Now, as you look into your crystal ball into the next year, from your perspective and from all the things going on out there in the world, what do you think is going to be the biggest issues employers are going to face in the next year from an employment law perspective? There's so many things I could list off. And I think as COVID continues, hopefully to wane and more workforces are coming back to being in person, I think that that's an easy 
low-hanging fruit kind of answer, but I think everybody knows that already. So I actually think many, many industries, uh, and this has been widely reported as well, but I think maybe it's been under-discussed in our HR and legal circles, is the labor shortage that currently exists, especially in manufacturing. There's simply not enough, uh, as it stands right now, not enough workforce to go around. And I have had many clients, and I've heard from others who have clients who say, we literally don't know how to keep people because, uh, you know, the workplace literally across the street, the manufacturer literally across the street is offering jobs for the same work for $5 more an hour. I've even had one that said $10 more an hour. And we simply can't afford to do that. And I think that in the short term or the first six months of the next year, I think that's a real issue. I think it's, it's a real challenge for a lot of employers to maintain their productivity. It's a new challenge that I don't know that we've really seen at least in my professional lifetime. And I think it's going to lead to some positives as well, which is that it's going to, by default, raise wages uh, for lots of workers, which I think is long overdue. If you look at inflation and you look at wages over the course of decades, you know, wages have fallen. And this may be the thing that needs to right that to a certain extent. I also think that the labor market will open up as various things happen over the next year. Uh, So I think this is a short to middle term problem. But in the meantime, I think we're going to see wages go up. I think we're going to see also under the Biden administration, a lot of unionization efforts that will kind of come hand in hand with all of this. And I think that employees for the first time, actually in a long time, are feeling a sense of power that maybe they didn't have before, which is really going to impact workplaces. And HR needs to be ready for that and needs to be ready to to work with their management teams and their executives to try to embrace this and move forward with it and help improve employee pay and conditions and be what, you know, in my former in-house life, we would call an employer of choice. And if you're an employer of choice, tie goes to that employer. If you can manage to match wages with somebody else, that's where they're going to want to be. And and so I think we're going to see better benefits, better pay. uh, And I hope that that's at least a short term. I don't know how long lived it will be. But I think that that is a big issue, maybe the biggest issue, at least in my, my sense, facing employers in the, in the coming six months to a year. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, I don't know anywhere that's not facing that issue. Feeling a, a bit of a scramble right now to how do we how do we right this ship or not overturn it at, at a minimum? <laughs> yeah, and, and there's all sorts of other issues tied up in it, like automation, organizing, and uh, you know, just as as incentives for people who are out of work start to fade. That may drive more people back into the workplace. But was that a good thing or was it not a good thing? You know, it's in, there's a lot of interesting societal questions that come out of all of this. Uh, that I find fascinating. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see where we are on all of these questions two years from now. Mark, as we mentioned earlier, we know you because we're all in podcasting. We started around the same time. You did take a brief hiatus and said goodbye to Dennis, or Dennis said goodbye to hostile work environment. And Kate Bischoff said hello, which has, uh, I need to watch more of the videos because I just know Kate's face on some of those is priceless. What has been the best part of podcasting for you and any plans for hostile work environment in the coming year that you want to share? There's so many things that have come out of doing podcasting. Uh, I've gotten to know so many more people. Part of why Dennis and I started in the first place was, at least for myself, uh, I'm a massive introvert. I am very shy around people. I don't 
feel very comfortable with public speaking. And I wanted to create a way to become more comfortable with doing that and more comfortable with speaking in front of people. And now I'm totally comfortable with it. And I, I have to say that the podcast was a real way to be able to accomplish that. The other thing that it really helps for me on a personal level is it forces me to stay current because we, we have to come up with a new story or discuss current things every two weeks or every three weeks when we record. I need to stay up on the news. I need to stay you know, following what's going on, find interesting stories. Uh, and it lets me be a little more conversant with what's going on, not just locally, but nationally in employment law I, so I, you know, and HR. So I, I think that's been you know, and, and getting now to spend time with Kate every couple of weeks is one of my favorite parts of, of every, you know, those weekends when we record. Uh, she brings so much energy and we're a year and a half in and Kate and I have still never met in person before. We are hoping to remedy that maybe in the next year. But uh, I feel like Kate is one of my best and closest friends as a result. And it's amazing that that's something you can accomplish over a TV screen in this day and age. So that's what I can say about the podcast. In terms of the future, it, for a hostile work environment itself, I think we're thinking something pretty steady along the lines of what we've been doing. We're all constantly talking about maybe new kinds of things to talk about, trying to get more listener engagement. I am going to tease, and I'm not going to say, I, you know, this is going to be a few words, and I'm not going to say too much about it. We are looking at starting a side podcast. Uh, on a particular issue. Uh, perhaps you may think about, we had some special episodes that we did last month about a certain TV show. We are having discussions about whether we want to do a little bit more on that front uh, as a separately branded podcast. We are in discussions about that and there's nothing firm or official about it, but look for that next year. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and get Apple TV then, I guess. <laughs> I mean, for real, Wendy, like you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> you can get it for a month and get the free trial and just watch the whole thing and binge it. One of the things we've done since your last visit with us, Mark, is that we have started crowdsourcing questions from guests. And in this case, Janelle Rodriguez asks, if you like to cook, what's your favorite recipe to make? And do you have a family heirloom recipe that's been passed down that you really enjoy? Yeah, so I have an obvious answer to this that doesn't exactly answer the question because I, I'm not much of a cook. You know, it's very gender normative stuff in my family. Like, I do the grilling. My wife does more or less everything else and the baking. My kids are both big bakers, but I don't do a lot of it. So I'm going to say, not what's my re favorite recipe to make, but what's my favorite recipe to eat? <laughs> Fair enough. And that is a, a really phenomenal Oreo cheesecake recipe that my mom found when I was a kid. I request this at pretty much every year on my birthday, and my family is kind enough to make it for me uh, most years. If not, they'll surprise <laughs> me with something different, which is usually also amazing. But it's got Oreo bits inside. It's got a sour cream layer on top coated in in chocolate all around it. And then uh, you cut out half Oreo squares and put it around the top. Oh. And, um you know, my whole life, I've tried many desserts, and I still am waiting to find one that I like more than that one. <laughs> and so my mom started with it. Now my, my wife would make it, and now my children make it because they just bake for fun all the time and watch baking shows all the time. And it's a difficult recipe, and they've, they've, passed, they've surpassed that on the much more complicated stuff even. I guess the big question, Mark, is are you going to be enjoying that as part of Thanksgiving? 
No, I don't think so. So, uh, you know, we just had it about a month ago for my birthday for Thanksgiving. I don't know exactly what's on the menu this year uh, for dessert. So I can't speak to that, but whatever it is, it's going to be amazing. Uh, often we'll have, we'll have some apple pie or my mom makes a pineapple souffle that we eat with the meal, not as dessert. And that is, oh. that is pretty amazing uh, dish that we often have with Thanksgiving. So uh, I, there will be no shortage of Thanksgiving <laughs> sweets and desserts. I just don't know what they are yet. I don't, I don't know the menu yet. We're going to take a quick break to consider all these tasty treats and we will be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast is brought to you by Namely. We've all heard the news. The great resignation is affecting many businesses, and keeping employees engaged and connected is crucial to avoid high turnover and its even higher cost. That's why we recommend Namely, the all-in-one HR solution that offers everything you need to hire, inspire, and retain your workforce so you can say goodbye to the great resignation and hello to the great re-engagement. Whether you have five or a thousand employees, Namely helps you maintain a great experience for the entire employee lifecycle with onboarding, performance management, and intuitive benefits enrollment all in one connected platform. Plus, Namely can streamline your payroll, time tracking, and vacation requests and help make you everyone's favorite HR leader. Companies are built on people. Don't let either fail. Learn more about making the switch to Namely today by visiting Namely.com. Thanks again to Namely for sponsoring this episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Now, back to the show. And we are back, Mark. It is now time for everyone's favorite part of the show, the Half Hour Question Connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? When I was a kid, I'm going to push that into late kid, like late, you know, early teens, I wanted desperately to be a pilot, an airline uh-huh. pilot. I went to airplane camps. Actually, my first trip, not to your Dakota, to the other Dakota, was to University of North Dakota Aerospace. I went to a camp oh, there, yeah. taught teenagers uh, how to be pilots. My vision, unfortunately, prevented me from really ever pursuing that uh, legitimately. Yeah. This was before LASIK and, and other options, so I never really did it. But I continue to have an interest in aviation. I love getting on planes and flying places. I'm, you know, I'm too tall, so my knees hurt by the end of the flight. But I, I'll sit there and could be cloudy out. I'll just sit there looking at the clouds and look out the window the whole time. <laughs> it's very difficult for me to get work done on a plane. And, uh, you know, I play, you know, flight simulator and stuff like that. So I still do all that kind of stuff as, as an adult uh, for fun, but it never got to be a career, unfortunately. Mark, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Yeah. So I, I've made a really good friend here over the last year. His name's Levi. And he tweets under the name The Ukulele Cowboy. He's an HR professional down in Eugene, about a couple of hours south of here. I, maybe we had, maybe our connection was more than a year ago, you know, at least in terms of my recognition of him and him sending me notes. He's a fellow soccer fan and he's local here in Oregon. He's just a cool guy. He's got some interesting tweets. He's out there on Twitter under The Ukulele Cowboy, which I, it caught my attention immediately because it's such a cool Twitter handle. Mark, how do you maintain balance? So I was thinking about this, and, and it's one of these things where, as a lawyer, I'm going to say, you know, that, that I'm going to object, Your Honor, uh, because the question assumes an answer, which the question assumes that I do maintain balance, which I'm not sure that I actually do. I try my best, and balance, especially in the COVID years, is very difficult to achieve, I think. And uh, my hat's off to anybody who can come out and just say, like, yes, I have found balance this last couple of years. 
what I really try to do is like anybody else, I think, you know, I want to work hard. I'm trying to, you know, I'm new at a firm. I'm trying to build up client base. I'm trying to work hard. I don't want to work that hard. And I'm not at a firm that's going to require me to do that. And so uh, I try to make sure that I strike the right balance between number of hours that I spend in the office, which is more right now than it has been for a long time, as I try to rebuild certain aspects of my career in private practice again now, but always making sure that I have time for soccer practices, for sporting events, to go to concerts, to go to things that make me happy. Uh, Go wine tasting uh, as often as I can. Go hang out at the bar. Those are things that I think bring balance for my life. I'm not sure I've struck that balance, honestly, but, you know, that's that's the aspiration. Mark, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR, the legal community, or even your community at large? Yeah, so I mean, I uh, over the years I've served on boards and done, done done stuff like that. But at least in terms of outward facing things, uh, obviously I think the podcast is a big piece of that. So I, you know, we do the podcast for you know. I said, what do I get out of it earlier? You know, I hope that others get education out of it and some entertainment out of it, and it's really targeted for the HR audience. That is time that we don't get paid for. Uh, we do it for fun and uh, to help build a community and to help get our names out there for sure. But it's really to help give back to the HR community, you know, help connect us with folks, help connect folks with each other, which again, you guys are, are the, really the best at doing that. And, and I've met so many folks through the two of you. And also the way I give back is uh, to the HR community is I give Kate a hard time as often as I can, because she needs somebody to do that. <laughs> Great answer. All right, Mark, what is your favorite movie? You know, I couldn't come up with one. I I hate this question because, I mean, it's a great question, but it's like, you know, if you said like, what's your favorite baseball movie? I could do that. What's your favorite, you know, (laughs) sci-fi movie? Maybe I could do that. Uh, The one that I came up with, it's maybe, I don't know that I would say it's my favorite movie. I just, I I don't know how I answer that, but I am going to say, what's a favorite movie of mine that most people don't like? Uh, And that's a movie called Master and Commander. It was a Russell Crowe oh, movie, yeah. and it has to do with a, with a boat chase and the Galapagos Islands. It's very slow-paced, which is why a lot of people don't love it. But I think it's a masterpiece of art and cinema and a slowly unfolding drama and story that really spoke to me the several times I've seen it. And I just thought that, that was one I would call out. Is it my favorite movie? I Probably not, but I don't know how to answer that. It's just... There's too many movies, and I can't really ever narrow it down to one. That's a great movie if you haven't seen it. Lots of people, like I said, they don't like it because it's too slow. Uh, I loved every second of it. Mark, what's the first concert you remember attending? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this, and I was like, gosh, I don't, you know, as a teenager, I went to a lot, you know, I started going to concerts like late in high school, and I, you know, what came first? I don't know. Was it Rush? Was it Sting? Could have been Tori Amos. Those were the ones that came to mind first. But then I thought, you know, my mom took me to a concert when I was about eight to a group called Rosenschantz. Have you ever heard of Rosenschantz? I've heard of Moomenschantz, but I don't know Rosenschantz. <laughs> Rosenschantz. So these were basically two Jewish guys from New York who sang songs, like folk songs. And then eventually they came out with a kid's album and it took off. And actually they were featured on Captain Kangaroo way back wow. in the day. They did a lot of touring in the 70s and 80s, and so around the mid-80s, my mom took me to see them, and we'd been listening, you know, we had cassette tape of them, maybe it was an LP, who knows, back then. I do recall going to that, so I think I have to push all of those other rock groups to the side and say, my first concert was going to see Rosenschantz. That's a first on this show. (laughs) I'm trying for it, I'm trying for it, you know. 
First kombucha and first Rosenschanz. All right, Mark, what is the last show that you binge-watched? Yes, I think my definition of binging something has changed having kids on a full-time <laughs> job, so there's not a whole lot that I can watch, like, 10 episodes right. in a day. Uh, we simply, life just does not allow for that. But I will say, so the last show that we watched reasonably quickly all the way through is a show called For All Mankind on, on wow. Apple Plus, and it's fantastic. If you're into space stuff, it's an alternate history show, so it's right at the time of Apollo 11, right before the United States is about to land on the moon. The Soviets get there first. It plays out from there, and I will say two seasons of it have aired. A third one will come out next year. It's really well plotted. It's really well acted and scripted, and I will say that both season finales are two of the best season finales I've ever seen on any show. Wow. So good, like edge-of-your-seat kind of like tension episodes, and for uh, just a TV show, clearly they have a nice budget. They do pretty amazing special effects, and it's a very impressive nice. show. Very cool. What's a hobby or a thing you really like to do that may surprise people? I'm going to push my glasses up here and uh, be, you know, super nerdy. I'm a geography nerd. I love uh, the study of geography. I play geography games online in the morning just to, as part of my, like, I do the crossword puzzle every morning and I play a game called GeoGuessr Online where you, it uses Google Street oh. View and it puts you in a random place on, on the world with a blank, with a map. But it doesn't tell you. It takes all the markings of the streets and, and towns off. So you've got to figure out. For It could be anywhere in the world where you are. And then you click on the map and it tells you how wow. far off you were. And so as a, I'm a geography nerd. So one of my hobbies is I keep track of counties. And so every time I travel, I take note of uh, which counties are new counties for me to travel through. And I have a map of the United States that's all the counties. And I color in the county every time I get a new one. I'm up to 800 something. Wow super nerdy. I don't know why I do it. I don't know why that interests me so much, but it's a lot of fun for a nerd like me. <laughs> Love it. Finally, Mark, if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would you ask? I appreciated this question. And you guys have a lot of questions about music and you ask questions about movies, but I thought, what about books? I would ask your next guest, who is your favorite fiction author and what is your favorite book by that author? Okay. It's in the book been added, so it will be asked very soon. Mark, as I mentioned, I'm extremely thankful for you, for what you've done in our community, for your friendship, for your love of Rush, uh, among many other things. Glad that we were finally having you on as Mark and not part of a tremendous podcast, which we highly recommend. And I can still lay claim to the fact that I am the only person that's part of all of our shows that has met everybody (laughs) that's ever been on any of these shows, that that has hosted Uh, any of these shows. So I I take pride in that. I know many of our listeners are more than likely connected with you now, but if they are not, then they're going to want to get to best way for them to reach you out there, how to find the podcast, anything and everything. Yeah. So you can find, uh, find me on Twitter. I'm at salad pants on Twitter, which Kate, Kate loves uh, and makes fun of, but uh, yeah. So at salad pants you can find me on the Bullard law, B U L L A R D law website. That's the name of my law firm, uh, which has all of my contact information professionally on there. If you want to listen to our podcast, Hostile Work Environment, pretty much any platform that you'd listen or any platform that you're listening to this podcast on, just type in Hostile Work Environment. It'll come up. You'll see a cartoon face logo of me and Kate and should be easy to find. We will have all that in the show notes. And then, Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there. 
the best way to find me is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter, 7 p.m. Eastern time as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Once again, thanks to Namely for sponsoring this episode the entire month of November. Appreciate this partnership very much. Hope you'll check out Namely.com to learn more about their platform and all the great things they've got going on right now. And as for me, JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, HRSocialHourPodcast.Podbean.com. Listen, review, share, anything and everything you do to help us, we always appreciate. There's still some swag available if you are yeah. interested and share using the hashtag listen to HRSH. I'll send you something. International listeners, that goes for you too. I can ship it anywhere because it's nice and flat. Even if you don't want swag, if you want to be part of the show, we would love to to be part of the show. So reach out yes. to us. Let's talk. Again, Mark, really appreciate you being with us. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.